Good morning. My name is Alexander Peterson and welcome to the Moving Markets podcast. It is Thursday, the 23rd of March, and coming up on the show, we have Damien Ng from Next Generation Research, who will provide us with some insights on genomics, and Nicholas Jordan from CIO Strategy and Investment Analysis, who will provide us with the latest news from the Investment Committee. But first, let's see what has happened in the markets. The big news this morning is the Federal Reserve raising interest rates for the ninth time in a row and hinted that more hikes were possible. The Federal Open Market Committee voted unanimously to raise the federal funds rate target by a quarter percentage point to a range of 4.75 to 5%, the highest since September 2007 when rates peaked on the eve of the financial crisis. Turning to the EU, European Central Bank officials are growing increasingly confident that the Eurozone banking system has withstood financial turmoil, allowing them to resume interest rate hikes in due course. Despite global market volatility, policymakers considered themselves vindicated after following through on a 50 basis point hike last week. The insight provides a glimpse into governing council sentiment three days after jitters in the aftermath of Credit Suisse plan takeover in Switzerland prompted additional volatility. In the United Kingdom, the Bank of England will almost certainly continue its fastest series of interest rates increases in three decades to combat inflation which has accelerated contrary to expectations. Economists and investors expected policymakers to reach the benchmark lending rate by a quarter point to 4.25% after official data showed inflation rose for the first time in four months on Wednesday. Traders almost completely erased bets that the BOE would pause interest rates to allow markets, the banking system and consumers to absorb more than a year of rising borrowing costs. Coming to yesterday's market action. The S&P 500 was down 1.6% with outperformers in tech, consumer staples and healthcare. The Nasdaq 100 was up 1.4% and the 10-year US Treasury ended Wednesday at 3.45% yield. Briefly turning to commodities. West Texas Intermediate fell 1.1% trading around $70 a barrel and gold is trading at around $1,977 an ounce. In currencies, the Bloomberg dollar spot index fell 0.5% and the euro is trading above $1.09. In the digital asset world, Bitcoin is trading at around 27,430 US dollars. In the futures market, S&P 500 and Nasdaq 100 future contracts both experienced gains of 0.5%. And that's all for today's markets wrap up. I'll now hand over to Damien Ng from Next Generation Research for some insights on genomics. Damien, you recently published an article that caught our interest. You noted that scientists have discovered that patients' gut microbiota may alter their odds of success with cancer immunotherapy. Please tell us more about it. All right. Hi, uh, Alex, and thanks uh, very much for inviting me to talk here. Now, first of all, yes, definitely I published a report on this, a very tiny uh, report on genomics. Basically, it's about the gut microbiome that affects cancer immunotherapy success. Because scientists from Germany, Israel, and the US have found that gut microbiome may affect an individual's chances of success with cancer immunotherapy. Now, first of all, what do we mean actually by microbiome? Perhaps we actually have to explain a little bit because they basically refer to the bacteria, viruses, and fungi that live, or they miss basically they are small living organisms living in our gut. Altogether, there are roughly like say 39 
trillion of them, okay, living in our digestive tracts. So an imbalance of them, you know, that can be actually because there are more bacteria, you know, more than that of the good ones that can cause you know, um, uh, an imbalance in our in our gut system that can be caused by the use of actually overuse of antibiotics or lack of sleep or actually like poor uh, nutrition. Now, having said that, it has been found in the studies that patients receiving antibiotic treatment prior to the initiation of the cancer treatment can cause this disruption of the balance of microbiome in their gut and which in turn impacts the immune system and ability to respond to cancer immunotherapy. Now, having said that, um, it is very important to take note of this. Why is that so? Because the findings basically highlight the importance of using or harnessing these tiny microorganisms in our digestive uh, system as possible biomarkers of disease and disease progression and an individual's responsiveness to treatment in the field of precision uh, oncology. So with that, you know, especially given the fact that the number of people diagnosed with cancer worldwide is expected to increase from 20 million in the year 2020 to 30 million by the year 2040 due to many risk factors, you know, from longer lifespan, obesity to genetics. So the importance of scientific R&D is getting more and more important. So this is actually, uh, bodes well for the long-term uh, prospects of genomics. So antibiotics can be very harmful for cancer patients. However, you discuss the decrease in efficiency of antibiotics in another article. What effect does this correlation have on the patient? Yeah, thank you very much for asking this question. I know it kind of sounds actually very, like, say, um, contradictory because on the first article I mentioned actually that overuse of or use of antibiotics is actually not good for patients receiving uh, cancer immunotherapy. But having said that, you know, on the second article, I mean, the focus moves on to the importance of, uh, let's say, the antimicrobial resistance across the world. Why is that so? Because Currently across the US, because there's an emergence of a contagious, deadly fungal infection across the states, uh, because it has highlighted again, once again, the growing threat of antimicrobial resistance on a global scale. Uh, so definitely the well-being of the most vulnerable segments of the world's population has definitely understandably come under focus, especially patients who are very ill or they are fitted with invasive uh, medical devices in their bodies due to operations or different uh, health conditions. Or maybe they have like long frequent stays in healthcare facilities like the elderly population or simply young children under the age of uh, five. Now, according to a study uh, published by The Lancet, which is a medical journal, now nearly 1.3 million people worldwide, they lost their lives uh, to infections as a direct result of antibiotic resistance in the year 2019 alone. That is really a lot. But the thing is that, according to this study as well, the lower income economies across South Asia and sub-Saharan Africa, these two places, regions, accounted for almost half of the total number of death toll in that year. 
So as we see, the antimicrobial resistance is expected to cause up to 10 million deaths worldwide per year. So there's definitely greater urgency to offer, you know, better solutions, innovative solutions, especially in, the, uh, in this field. Because after all, we all know that, you know, the more, you know, we use uh, antibiotics or antifungal drugs to treat, you know, certain disease-causing germs like bacteria or fungi, it becomes actually less effective in a way, you know, to treat these issues, pathogens going forward. So in this case, definitely genomics may hold the key to solving this uh, problem, this looming 21st century global health threat going forward. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Damien. Next up, we have Nicholas Jordan from CIO Strategy and Investment Analysis, who will share with us the latest news from the Investment Committee. Over to you, Nicholas. Thank you, Alex, and good morning, everyone. Well, I think the main topic discussed in the investment committee is pretty obvious, and I know that it has been discussed in more detail on this platform already this week. But I think it's still interesting to share our perspective on the recent turmoil in the banking sector and the takeover of Credit Suisse, as we always try to put such events into a macroeconomic perspective and assess what they could mean for the overall market going forward. I think, first of all, it's important to highlight that despite of what happened recently, fundamentally, the banking sector in the US and in Europe remains sound and stable. What has happened is that we saw temporary losses on safe assets that will mechanically recover to their notional value over time. So the solvency of the sector is not in question. Still, we have seen that the ongoing interest rate hikes have affected the banking sector significantly. Well, of course, I mean, exiting from financial repression after so many years of high-dose asset purchases and zero or negative interest rates is highly risky. It has to be done very smoothly, otherwise there is a high probability that it will destabilize the financial system. But of course, we understand that the Fed is in a very tough spot as it constantly has to choose between inflation and financial stability. So what does this mean for central bank policy going forward? We have seen that the Fed has hiked by 25 basis points yesterday. How will they proceed? Well, let's put it this way. The good thing about the current market turmoil and the sharp rise in the cost of capital for the banking sector are similar to a massive, unintended tightening of credit conditions by the Fed and the European central banks. And it comes at a time when we are seeing the first signs of slowdown in private sector credit growth. This is exactly what they need to bring inflation back to an economically and politically sustainable level. We therefore think that it is crucial for central banks to moderate their communication tone and monitor the transmission of their tightening campaign to the real and the financial spheres very closely. How will the market behave in the coming weeks? We see that the market continues to be resilient. I mean, with all that happened recently, the S&P 500 is pretty much flat this month and still slightly up year to date, which tells you everything you need to know, basically. However, and I know the argument is starting to get a bit boring, very much depends on the Fed going forward. They need to listen to the signals the market is giving them and act and communicate accordingly. Having said that, markets will certainly keep us busy in the coming weeks as high volatility is very likely to persist. That's all from my side. Back to you, Alex. Thank you very much, Nicholas. And that's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.